knowing God. Our scripture for the year, Psalm 6511. You crown the year with your goodness and your past drip with abundance. You know, I, I know sometimes people think, well, man, you, you're just one of those health and prosperity churches. And I thought, would you want to go to a sickness and poverty type message? Let's see how long the line will be for that. But anyway, um, that's why it's called good news, by the way. Are you out there? All right. Uh, I remember when Melody and I were dating, we were living in Tulsa, going to Bible school in Tulsa, and we were dating. And uh, every chance that I could get, I would spend with her. Now, that wasn't very often because we were going full-time to Bible school from 8 till noon. I was at work. I had work at FedEx, kind of like the second shift, so 1, 1.30 or something like that till midnight. And uh, so I was working many, many hours and going to school full-time. <clears throat> we had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, so there wasn't a lot of free time. And, uh, but I remember one time that uh, I... I don't know, we got out of school maybe 15 minutes early, whatever, and it was just enough time. She lived about 10 or 15 minutes away from me. So I got dressed for work really quick, and I jumped in my car, and I drove like a FedEx guy all the way to her house as quick as I could, and I thought, I can spend five minutes. So I rushed over there, and uh, we didn't have cell phones. I just popped in, and I says, she goes, what are you doing here? I says, I've got five minutes. I just wanted to see you for five minutes. She goes, ah, but you know, nobody had to tell me to do that. I wanted to do that. I wanted to spend time with her. When you, if, if you were, remember when you were dating, of course that was like almost 30 years ago, but when you remember if you were dating, you were probably like that. You didn't have, somebody didn't have to tell you, you know, you, you really should spend some time with uh, your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Most people want to spend time with the person that they love. Is that true? Or am I just kind of strange or weird? I don't know. Maybe I am. But uh, you want to spend time with them. I mean, to the point to where you'll take time over them, over your super close friends. Is that right? And sometimes when I was even younger, uh, when I was dating years and years even before that, you know, you just, all your teenage friends, you just, they think, well, man, we don't even exist. I go, well, you do, but not as much as it used to be. And uh, your friends think you, they got moved down on the totem pole or whatever, and to a point that that's true, but I mean, you still say, I love you, you're still my good friend, but my priority is this person. But then, how many in all of that after you're married for a few years, 10, 15, 20, sometimes, whatever it is, it's easy. It's easy that that priority is not the same with that spouse. Is that true? You know, Melody and I, we, we instituted something when we got back from Africa that... Uh, we used to do it every once in a while, but now we just start doing it every morning. 
in the morning when she reads her the word and I read the word and so we just go outside underneath a shade tree something and we have coffee together and we just spend time just a few minutes just spending time together when when the problem with uh life is there's so many things that can consume you isn't there and it just seems like things get continually piled on continually piled on continually piled on to where all of a sudden what was really a priority to you it it still is but it's being consumed by so many other things is that right it's like what one person said the problem with life is that it's daily daily things are added to your plate daily things come up that you weren't expecting and uh, (laughs) if you're not careful you know uh, you don't spend any time together and so what do you have to do you have to set yourself and make an effort that okay just like what we did we're going to spend time and have coffee together every morning you just do that well I, I started thinking that way about my relationship with God I'm going to say this several times so you get it in you. There were years, even as a pastor, I thought this and believed this and lived this, that I have to seek God, I have to read the Bible, I have to really make an effort so that I can have favor with God, so that I can be blessed by God, so that I can have his promises. It was up to me to do that so I can be a recipient of that. That's wrong. First of all, and it's not true. It's not true that you have to seek God. You have to read the Bible. I will get in detail about that. So don't think, oh, well, good. I don't do any of those things anyway. But but having said that, because the Bible says that when you get born again, that he has provided all things and for Peter says he's provided all things that pertain to life and godliness. First Corinthians, it says in chapter six, it says that all of the promises are yes and amen. The point that God wants you to know is that he's provided and given you everything, including healing, including prosperity, all of the promises, all the blessings. He said, when you came into my family, it's all yours. Remember the story of the prodigal son? That's not part of my lesson, but it's a good illustration. There's two sons. The wild son says, give me my inheritance. So the father, the Bible says that the father gave it to them, plural. At that point, both sons got all of their, his inheritance, or their inheritance from the father. Both of them did. So the one son took what he got, got given to him, and he went off, and you know the story. He spent it on prostitutes and wild living and drinking and spent it all. And then finally he woke up and said, you know, uh, there was poverty, a famine. And so he was eating stuff from the, he was feeding the pigs, and he was eating pig food. So he says, you know what, my, the servants in my father's house eat better than this. I'm just going to go back and be a servant and say, Father, you know, I don't deserve being your child. Just let me be a servant. So he did. He ran back. The father saw him. It's the only story in the Bible where it shows the father running, says he ran toward the son. Only time. And it was a time when the son felt so unrighteous and so unworthy. 
So he started spitting off, you know, Father, I don't deserve this. I don't do that. And the father just cut him off and says, this is my beloved son and who I'm so thankful that he came back home. I'm going to kill the fatted calf. I'm going to put a ring on his finger, sign of authority. I'm going to put a robe on him, sign of righteousness. I'm going to kill the fatted calf. So it meant all of the blessings are yours, son. You still are blessed. You are still blessed. Even though you blow it, you're still blessed. And I'm going to make sure you know that you're blessed. Well, the other son who continually stayed in church, who continually read the word, who continually prayed, and, and, but all for the wrong motivation and reasons, got all religious on his father and said, I've been faithful and I've done all that you wanted me to do and you never gave me a fatted calf. You never had a party for me. You never gave me anything. First of all, it was a lie because the Bible says that he gave the inheritance to both of them. It's just the one did not use what the father or he just kept working and working, believing that he had to work for the favor of his father. He had to work for the blessings of his father and his father already given them to him. Sound like church people? Sound like me for years. The majority of the years I've been a pastor. I believe that. You know, you see some, you know, I would compare myself with well, that pastor, man. He, they got a building for free. Well, I've been faithful, and I've worked, and I've... <laughs> it's easy to do that. So what you're saying is that I should be able to work for what God has already provided for. You know what that's called? Self-righteousness. I deserve it. I deserve the blessings because I've been really good. I've deserved the blessings because I've worked really hard. I deserve the blessings because, you know, I, I pray every day, Lord. You know, I pray. So I deserve that. It's the wrong motivation. It's wrong. So I want you to know that when I'm talking about knowing God, make it clear in your foundation that I am not saying that we need to seek God so that we can be recipients of anything that he's already provided for. And I'll say that again because it's easy to fall back into, well, I need to fill out my religious square every day. You know, I had a religious checklist, okay? I prayed today, check. I read the Bible today, check. And, you know, I, I've just been good to people today, check. And, you know, I, I prayed for the church, check. And, I mean, it would, sometimes it would be a long list. I'd have a long list and check, check, check. And then I'd throw my shoulders back and think, all right, God, you see this? Yeah. The Lord saw it all right. Made him throw up. Because he was saying, he knew that what I was saying caused me to think I deserve it. And you all probably are a lot holier than me, and you probably don't do that. But I did that for decades out of my life. I would seek God so that I could get something. It'd be like me going over 
Dwayne, would you like it if I said that, you know, I'm going to get to know you because, you know, you got that nice camper. I'm, <laughs> if I get in good with you, you may let me use that. And, you know, that's the only reason why I want to have a relationship with you. Well, if you knew that, would, would that be hurtful, wouldn't it? And Christians are doing that all over the planet. Are you out there? It's like God, God doesn't know why we're doing that. He knows everything. So, man, I, when I started finding that out, man, I go, God, I am so sorry. I repent. I am so sorry that I, I, I just want a relationship with you so that I can get stuff from you. You know, even the story with Bathsheba and David. God said David was a man after his own heart. He was a man after his own heart. And he said that in the New Testament, that all of what David did, I mean, how many know that David really fell? I mean, I mean, you look at David, man, that was the old, I thought, you know, you don't rank sins, because Jesus, he, they're all sins as a sin of sin, but I just think, man, he, he committed adultery and then premeditated murder. That's, a, ooh, that's bad. But yet God said he was a man after his own heart. A couple of things. That uh, David, that time where he fell, all of a sudden God was not a priority in his life. He didn't do what kings, the Bible says in the time when kings go out and go to battle, there's specific times, David stayed home. He started shucking all of his responsibilities and just, you know, forgetting God. And you know what God said to David when, you know, the prophet Nathan told him the story about there was a man who had just one lamb. It was a pet lamb. And then there's a guy who had all of these lambs. He had a sheepfold. And the guy who had uh, just one lamb, that that guy went over there, he had company, and he says, I'm taking your lamb, and I'm going to kill it so it become for my guests, and blah, 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 blah. And David got mad and said, that was wrong. He should pay for what he's doing. Nathan says, you're the man. What he was saying was, you took a woman, a man's wife, it wasn't yours. And you know what God said to, to David? He said, I've given you anything and everything. And if that wasn't enough, in other words, if, if, if you needed anything else, he said, you could have asked for it, and I would have freely given it to you. You know, they had many wives. It was the culture of that time. It wasn't, you know, it's not our culture. And the Bible says you should be the husband of one wife. You know, you're not supposed to have 14 wives. But at that time, it was the culture, and God was basically saying, if, you, if, if the, you're the wives that you want anything else, I would have given it to you freely. Wow. But he was outside and not making God a priority in his life. To know that. See, if he would have known that, he, if he was seeking after God and doing, still having his heart towards God, he would have known that. And he would not have fallen. He would have not committed adultery. He wouldn't have premeditated murder. Why? Because God would have showed him, hey, yeah, anything that I can provide for you, David. Well, in 2 Chronicles 12, 14, 
This is talking about Rehoboam. It says, and he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. The message translation says this, but the final verdict on Rehoboam was that he was a bad king. God was not important to him. Did you hear that? His heart neither cared for nor sought after God. This is the thing. God wants you to have a great life. In John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to kill and steal and destroy. Satan is out there, and he has plots. He has plans against you and me. He wants to set you up for failure. But John 10, 10 says, but I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. I remember when I was dating Melody at FedEx that FedEx, once or twice a year, they would have this, they, they don't do this anymore, but back in the day, they would put out a big party for all their employees. I mean, they would have caviar, you name it. They, they spared no ex- expense. They would just put it out there. And I remember this one time, Melody had to work, and so she didn't go with me. I don't know if it was the Christmas party. I don't know which party it was, but... Um, so I went there, and I was there for just a little while. I wasn't going to stay long anyway. But when I was there, I w- went to get some more dessert or food or whatever. And there was a, a girl on the other side, a FedEx employee. Real cute little thing. And I was just minding my own business, and she started talking to me. Not in a good way. She was all alone. She knows I was all alone, and... So she almost just, um, what's, what is it called when, proposition me. You know, let's go get her a hotel room or whatever. And I was staring at my plate, and I looked up at her. I did not say one word. I just turned around, walked off, and walked out. I've never told her that. That's the first time she's hearing this. I just walked right out the door. And I thought, I do not. I was just in shock, first of all. But, I mean, she thought, you know, it was just really, really rude that I did that. She never, and I worked at FedEx two years after that. She never said another word to me, and I never said another word to her. But my point is this. Listen to me. If God was not important to me, if God made, there, there could have been a weakness. That's what happened. Look at uh, Samson. Oh, my goodness, that guy fell, and then he fell. And people says, how can you be so stupid? I mean, the Bathsheba's sitting there, or not Bathsheba, what was her name? Delilah sitting there, sitting there saying, you know, the Philistines are up. And I mean, and he fell for it, and I'm thinking, how can you be? You know how you can be? God is nowhere in your, part of your life. God, you're not seeking him. He's not important to you. And so Melly and I came to this conclusion. You know, sometimes what we consider common sense is not really common sense. It's God's sense. And Samson lost all of God's sense. And Satan had a plan for him, not only to lose his sight, but he wanted to destroy Samson. You realize, and I'm, this, don't not take this as a fear type message. But the devil is out there to destroy all of us. Right. To, to destroy your reputation. How many ministers have we read or seen on the news where they've fallen because they committed adultery or got caught taking drugs? How did that happen? Is it because the devil is so overwhelming? No, he is not. Just like we said in communion. Sin is beneath your feet. It is. 
But this is the problem. If you're not spending time with God, that's not a reality to you. You don't know how much God loves you if you're not spending time with him. When you spend time with your spouse, you know, and they're talking and you just sense, you just know that they love you without even saying they love you. You know what I mean? You just know it. It's the same way with our relationship with God. That's why there is something that happened to me in Africa that I thought, man, I want to get to know you like I've never known you before. Why? Because I know how much he loves me and I don't understand it all. You know, I'm getting ahead of myself. But the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 3, you know, he prayed, you can Google prayers of Paul and it'll pull up all kinds of prayers that he prayed. Did you not, not one of them? Not one of them says, Lord, that they uh, may understand uh, that healing that you've provided for them. Lord, that they may understand the, the prosperity and all of your goodness that you have provided for them. None of his prayers pray that. But you know what this prayer says in Ephesians chapter 3? Verse 14, it says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you would be rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. If you want anything about what God knows, he is knowledge, but if you want that knowledge, the way to get it is to know the love of Christ. That's how, that's the doorway into God's knowledge and everything that he is which would include healing, prosperity, and all of the blessings, all the promises. It says to know the what? The love of Christ. It's not how much you love him, it's how much he loves you. That's what you and I need to know. And if you start having a revelation of that, you step into a whole new realm. It's not religion. It's called relationship of how much God loves you. And you all of a sudden get a revelation of that. You go, I want to spend time with him, man. Oh, I want to spend time with him. I want, to, I want my life to be his life. I just want him. That's all I want. That's all I want. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You have to know the love of God, how much he loves you, to experience the fullness of God. Wow. Oh, man. I, if people say, I'm just praying for, for me to, I want the fullness of God, and I want this, and I want, that's not how you get it. The way that you get it is have a revelation of how much God loves you. Man. Oh, man. It just makes you want to, I, I just felt like, Falling in love with Jesus all over again. You know? If you've been married for a long time, if something happens in your married life, you know, I told Melly one time, I says, man, I thought I loved you when we got married. Man, I, I don't even know if I loved you or not, man, compared to what, how much I love you now. And you just keep falling more in love? What, what, how is that possible? It's because you're having a relationship and, and, and you just, your eyes get open to, to things that they've been closed to before. You know? Any marriage you can look and say, oh, you know, they do this wrong and they do that wrong and it's negative and negative. And whatever, the binoculars you look at, 
You're going, it's like when people come to this church. If, you want, if you're looking for something negative, you will find it. If you're looking for something bad in this church, you'll find it. You will. If I'm looking something for my Mary, for Melody, she's not doing this right, I'll find it. If you're looking for something in me, you'll find it. But that's not what's a relationship. A rela- Guess what? God, he's not looking at you for anything negative. The Bible says his thoughts towards you are good. God doesn't have one negative thought about you in, in, in any time. Wow. Did we finish reading that? Did I? We did. Okay. I got carried away. But anyway, I just thought, man, did you know in that scripture it says that you may know all about healing. That you may know all about prosperity. That you may know anything else. It says you need to know one thing. And if you know that one thing, it's going to open up a whole new reservoir of a relationship with your heavenly father. How much he loves you. So I pray that over you all. I pray that over me. I pray it over my family. Oh, that the eyes of our understanding may know the love of God, the width, the depth, the height. Oh, I want everybody to know how much God loves us. Why? Because if you know how much God loves you, you're going to want to spend time with him. And it won't be, oh, I spent time with God today. Fill that little religious square out. Check. You know? I've done this too. Have you ever done this before? Uh, I'm going to spend one hour with God. I'm going to do that. And so you're doing this. Wow, it's only been six minutes. Wow. If I was at your house, how would you feel? About every five minutes I go. They go, do you have to be somewhere? No, I I made a promise I'd spend an hour with you. We're at 52 minutes. I got eight minutes left. Now, that would just make you want to invite me again, wouldn't it? Do you think God takes pleasure in that? And I would feel so good about myself. Check, one hour. I ran out of time. This was a good introduction. But listen to me. I don't want any of us thinking that well, pastor says I need to spend time with God. I went. That can't be our motivation. But having said that, I'll, I'll, we'll talk next week about God wants to help you in that. Do you know God knows? He knows. This is kind of sad. He knows when you and I think that spending time with him is boring. Like I said, you're probably holier than me, but I've, there's been times in my, I go, man. Especially when it was that hour craze that I went on. Man, some of the time of that hour, it, it got real boring. It's like, ah. You know what? If you could be in heaven, you see God, he'd be doing the same thing. Ah, then it just keep going on and on and on. If it's boring to you, it's probably pretty boring to him. You know, we think he's some mystical clown that doesn't see or have feelings or anything like that. No, he's probably saying, I wish you'd shut up. You're not getting anything out of this, and neither am I. That's pretty blunt, but that's the way I see it. God wants, I mean, you, if your friends do that about you, I really don't want to be here. That's in the back of your mind. Your friends would just say, you probably need to go on. 
You need to check it out. So I just tell God, you know, God, I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time reading the word. It just seems blah. It just seems boring. So I need help. So we're going to talk that way next week. Amen. We'll stop right there. Let's stand. We're going to help you out. Because that's part of relationship. God wants all of us to have a relationship with him. And a good relationship. You know, when you got married, you want to have a good relationship with your spouse, didn't you? You didn't want to be, okay, I'm spending an hour with you. Ready? Start right now. Go. And every six or seven minutes, you look at your watch. How is that going to make that person? No, you don't do that with your spouse or your friends. You don't do that with your friends, do you? Hey, I haven't been spending time with you, so I'm going to spend 30 minutes with you today, okay? You don't do that with your friends. God doesn't want you to do that with him. Are you out there? Are you hearing me this morning? You hear my heart? God wants to have a relationship with you. A loving, fun relationship. And once we understand the love of God, man, it's going to open up your mind and your motivation is going to be different. Man, since I've gotten back from Africa, I, I feel like oh, I, I'm playing games with my sons, you know, and doing this. But, you know, I'm thinking, it's kind of like when I was dating Melody. I'm doing something else over here, but my mind is over there on Melody. I'm doing something over here, but my mind's over there, you know. She said something so romantic. She says, you know, that second year, I almost didn't get anything out of school. I was just looking and thinking of you. I just went, yeah. That's, you know, that's the kind of relationship God wants to have with you and me. I'm working, I'm doing this, but boy, my mind is, it's on Jesus. It's on, oh, my daddy. It's on the Holy Ghost. It's on God. Why? Oh, he's just so awesome. Oh, man, oh, man. He just turns my crank. I'm telling you. That's the kind of relationship he wants you to have. And if you don't have that, there's good news. You can. And we're going to walk you through that to where all of us, we're just going to get, oh, man, we're going to get fired up. Sound like a good journey?